All right, welcome back to the Kevin Carey Show. But I used to wa- watch our next uh, guest listen to Gordon Lightfoot at the bar of Moe's Sports Parlor back in the day. He really loved Gordon Lightfoot. So uh, we welcome in Randy Furby to our Sports 1440 show today. Uh, Randy, uh, can you hear me, big guy? Might have just lost Randy for uh, a second. I, I will, uh, I'll get him right we'll back. We'll get him on. right back. So it's been a big day for uh, Randy Furby and the Furb Four. Um Today, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame announced its uh, 2023 induction class. Uh, This was done in Calgary. They announced it this morning a couple hours ago. So the class has uh, three athletes. It's got a couple of teams, uh, a couple of builders. I guess, uh, you know, one of the teams is very close and near and dear to the hearts of curling fans. And make no mistake, we are in a hotbed of curling country uh, so it is uh, Team Furby going into the Canadian Ho- Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, the announcement was made this morning, a couple of hours ago. So Team Furby, that would be Randy Furby, Dave Nedowin, Scott Pfeiffer, Marcel Rock. The four of them are going into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. So we welcome Randy Furby onto the big show, the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440, Furb. How are you? How's the morning been going? Pretty Kevin, exciting. Kevin, how are we doing today? Good, buddy. A pretty exciting morning for you. It's, uh, it's quite a thrill, to be honest with you. It's overwhelming, but, uh, uh, you know, it's been a little bit busy. And what? Yeah, what? But it's kind of cool. It, it, there's no question it's kind of cool. Uh, when you first heard the news of this, and I'll be honest, you kind of gave me a little tip of, about a month ago, maybe a little yeah. longer. Um what was your reaction when you heard that this was going to well, be happening? It, it, you know, again, it's it's overwhelming a little bit. Like, I know Cheryl Bernard. You know, she's the president of this of the Canada Sports Hall. She gave me the heads up. Like, like we're quite good friends, and and the the company with the Sports Hall of Fame a little bit too. And I know how difficult it is to get in there. You know, they they have seven inductees every year. Whether they're athletes or builders or coaches or whatever, and of all the sports in Canada, you think about it, it's it's remarkable that we got in there. You know, there's however many sports, fifty, sixty, seventy sports in Canada, and for us to be one of the inductees this year is is it's it's an honor. It really is. So yourself, Dave Nedowin, Scott Pfeiffer, front end with yeah, Marcel, Marcel Rock. Um, yeah. Uh, you guys were as close as a, a team can get. So why were you guys, besides the talent and things like that, and you played well, but why were you guys so successful and dominant, you know, in that span in you the know, early 2000s? People ask that question. I, I don't think you put your 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 finger on one key thing, but I think the, I think what, where we came along is is we we were probably the first team ever to quit quit our jobs and curl for a living or try to curl for a living. And uh, we, we, we invested all our time into curling. It wasn't, we, had, we didn't go to work from a nine to five. So it was curling, 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 and it definitely paid off. And we were all on the same page. And for everybody to uh, to do that at the same time, it's quite remarkable. I mean, you find four guys who do anything to quit their jobs, it's going to be pretty difficult. And uh, everybody bought into what we were selling. Everybody was... 25% of the 100% and it worked out. 
Six-time Canadian champion, four-time world champion, Randy Furby joins us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. When you put that team together and you were thinking about the dynamic of it because, you know, you curled on other teams, we'll get to that. What were you looking for at that point to get this team together? And did you think it would have that kind of success when you did? I don't think I don't think any time you put a team together in any sport, you, you you hope for the best. You know, like like even when Dave Nedwin moved here in nineteen ninety six seven, I was playing with a team. I didn't know Dave Nedwin. He approached me to to find him a spot on someone else's team, and I just had that gut feeling. So, sometimes you get, I went with a gut gut feeling. I quit the team that I was on, and uh, I got Dave to play. And I didn't even watch this guy throw a rock before. I had no idea how good or bad he was, and. For some reason, uh, my mind just said, "Hey, stick with this guy." And then, then we had a different, you know, throughout the years, the first couple of years, we had a different front end. And then Scott Pfeiffer came out of junior curling, and we asked him to play. And then uh, Marcel Rock came along after the second or third year after after one of the players on our team uh, left our team to go play with another competitive team, and it it just it just transformed into something very very special in a short period of time. I you know I can't really like I said I can't put my finger on what it worked, but my God, like these guys are, these guys were the best at their positions for a long, long time. And uh, I was just glad to be part of it. If you got a text for world champion, Canadian champion, now Canadian Hall of Famer, Randy Furby, please send it off to us at one 401 The other aspect and dynamic of that team, Ferb, was the fact that uh, advice you called the game at third, but Dave threw skip rocks. Would you say that was one of the first teams that that did that? And well, yeah, there the, there was a team I think that uh, did it a little bit before us. Ed Lukowicz did it with uh, Mike Chernoff back in 1977, I think it was. But that we weren't looking at that uh, when uh, we first hooked up. Dave was calling the game, and uh, he was a little bit raw on that raw on that part of the game. So. I know a player on our team by the name of Pat McCallum at the time says, well, why don't you call the game and let him sweep because he was more athletic than me, or so they told me. You know, I, I still don't <laughs> believe that to this day. So he was a great sweeper, and I, I loved when I, I, I don't have to sweep. Oh, my God, this is pretty good. <laughs> you know, So, it just, it, again, it just naturally worked that, that Dave trusted the or the team and Dave trusted what I was doing at the far end, calling the game. And, and again, they bought into it, and he, he adapted to it very, very quickly. So and and for whatever reason it worked out. How how much did you learn from Pat Ryan, the game of curling? A lot, a lot. It, you know, again, uh, back in 1986 when I played with Pat Ryan for three years there, uh, this guy was ahead of his time. And I think to this day, Pat Ryan is probably one of the best curlers or if not in the top three or four curlers of all time to play this game. You know, every team he played with, he was, he was successful with. He built great teams when he was in, uh, when he first moved to Edmonton here, played front end for Paul Devlin, elevated to skip, then after playing with us, you know, he even played Gord Trenchy and Pat and Don Walsh. Then he moved to BC, played with Rick Folken. I mean, yes, he played with some great players, but he was a key element to all those teams to, to make them as successful as they were. Uh, you just said Donnie Walchuk, a friend of mine from Melville, grew up there. Yep. Um, how many years were you with Wally there? And what about just his, uh, you know, his acumen on the on the long and narrow? Oh, uh, acumen. That's a word. <laughs> what <I, well>, was acumen? <laughs> acumen. How good was well, how good of a curler was Wally? 
he was he was different. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a very positive way. Like he was Donnie. I, I played with him when when I first played with Pat Ryan, obviously, and then after Pat moved to BC, Donnie and I hooked up for a year or two there. He was he was the type of guy that liked to have fun, and he was a remarkable curler. He could he could go out and have fun till two or three o'clock in the morning, and still show up at eight <laughs> o'clock in the morning and play one hundred and ten percent. And to this day, he, he he's a fun guy. You know, he he took the game serious, but not too serious. You know, enough that that he that having fun playing the game was just as important as playing the game. It's a little it's a little different back then than it is now, for sure. Randy Furby is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Quick story with Donnie Walchuk. Uh, my dad used to coach him in hockey in Melville in, in the late 70s. I think it was either Bantam or Midget, but he didn't want to go to this tournament. Um, he decided he wanted to play in this curling, curling bond spiel, and my dad said to him, uh, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, what's the matter with you? What, what are you thinking? Where do you think this curling's going to take you, to the Olympics? <laughs> and uh, sure it did, didn't it? And it sure did, absolutely. Which kind of, well, yeah. He he reminds me of how great an athlete he was all the time. I don't know how good he was. He says baseball, basketball, or hockey could have played anything. And, yeah. and you know he he keeps reminding me of that. And like, <laughs> I always laugh it off. Yeah. I, I laugh it off. But. Yeah, we used to call him Badenko. He was a good ball player for sure too. There's yeah. no doubt about yeah, that. He was yes. Yeah. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This one comes in from Skip Marv. Had a great time playing the Furby Four in the annual death match with Bryn and Jake. A one and two record, not bad against the best. Do you remember that? Uh, not off the top I of your head. One and one, no, it was I, I a do death match. That. that was with Bryn Griffiths and stuff. Yeah, Bryn and Jake. Yeah, play and Jake, and they managed to beat us one time. That's what he says, Skip I, Marv. I, well, see, I don't remember that part. Wow. But if he says so, I guess it, it must be true. We yeah. must have been an off day or something on that one, playing those, those three guys. <laughs> Remember that time we played you uh, with Wes Montgomery and uh, Jeff Wright didn't peel that guard? Uh, yes, that was in at the Crestwood Curling Club, I yeah. believe, right? Yeah, I yes, mean, why Yeah, why would Wright not peel the guard? Well, I mean, unreal. I Just because he's... Mr. Wright doesn't always make the right call. <laughs> so, but uh, I do remember those fun days when we used to do all that sort of stuff with media and, and charity events that, that they were, uh, they're well, they're a big part of us, uh, of what we try to do here in Edmonton. Uh, texter from St. Paul says, Marcel Rock, uh, from my hometown. Uh, Randy Furby is our guest here on the Kevin Carey show sports 1440. Now the dynamic of the team, uh, and I guess that was the first kind of nickname, I think huff and puff on the front end. How did those two guys room together? Did you and Dave room together? How did you mix it up? How, cause you no, traveled a lot. How I was that? Mar- Marcel and I roomed together for 99.9% of the time. And uh, we're, we've got every I've got everything on him, and he's got everything on me type thing, you know that that we can't talk about. But we we are great buddies, and and we we are on the same page when it came to watching movies or sleeping in or eating. So it worked out very well. But I think there was one time I can't remember which Bonsville we were at, but Dave or Scott had a brilliant idea that we should change roommates, and they made <laughs> me stay with Dave. And my God, that lasted one night, <laughs> one night. And I, I, I couldn't handle it anymore. Dave couldn't handle me, so we went back to staying with uh, Marcel. So yeah, he he's been, he, he was a great roommate uh, throughout the years. Would you say the uh, because you guys were so close with the fans, you guys, you know, you would sit yeah. down and have a beer with them after the game or whatever. 
Do you think that's why the fans back then, they were so close to you guys and, and really supported well, you? I, I like to think so. That 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 was our shtick, you know. Like, you know, win or lose, we always, you know, the, at at the Briary. I mean, everybody knows about the patch, but I mean, all the bond schools that we played in, you know, we would go upstairs and we would socialize with absolutely anybody. I mean, I mean, if if, if someone's trying to give you part of their time, you have to give your time back to them, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that's where a lot of curlers and a lot of sports people are, are missing that, you know, with, without the fans, we got nothing, and I mean, we got nothing, so we, we, we're, we're going down a, trip, a tricky slope when we sort of refuse or don't want to do that now, or we think we're special athletes where we need all the time and rest away from the fans, and and I see that happening a lot nowadays, I'm still, I still follow a lot of curling, and, and to me, it's not a great thing to, to do, but uh, we'll, we'll see what, you know, our, our sport is kind of on a downslide, I think, right now. You know, some people might disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got some great teams in Canada, but I don't think the 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 amount of teams that we used to have compared to now is not, not even close. So why, if you say it's a bit of a downslide, what's, what needs to change? What do you, where is it, well, the game at? Where does it know. need to go? I don't know if it's ever going to end, Kevin. It, you know, so much emphasis is put on winning the Olympics, which it should be. And we got four or five, maybe four or five elite teams that put in full-time hours to, to win this thing. And then if you're a young team, how, how do you get to beat these guys? Because it, it's not like an, another sport where you're 22, 23 years old, where you're in your prime. Here you're in your prime when you're 40 or 45 mm-hmm. years old, a lot of them, you know. So for a 23-year-old coming out of school or a 25-year-old, it's very difficult to beat these teams, and and no one stepped to the plate. I don't think in in years and years. It's it's uh, like I said, we got this top three teams or top four teams, and that's it. You know, I can tell you who's going to go to the Olympics in in the next three years is going to be one of these three teams. Right. Twenty years ago, you couldn't say that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's tough to break that barrier. Can you uh, tell our listeners what you were doing, what everyone's doing? I know, like, Marcel's been coaching all over the place. I think Scotty a little bit, too, but just kind of run down what, what everyone's yeah, doing now. sure. Uh, Marcel, after, after we uh, left the game, he was he was coaching uh, Team Holman, and I think he had a gig with the China China Association in China. China did very good, but I believe he's back to back to teaching again so he he's doing what he's what what he likes doing he's he's a great teacher and motivator to motivate people and whatnot so he's doing what I think he should be doing and, and that's teaching uh Scott is uh Scott is one of those guys you know I've known him for 20 25 30 years and we're not really sure what that guy does <laughs> you know, you got one of those friends that you're just not sure, but he seems to be doing everything he wants to do. I know he's got a job with uh, Canada Curling right now. He's the head coach of the national mixed team. I just had a chat with him about 15, 20 minutes ago. He's at the Savile Center since middle of August and coaching and trying to get, uh, you know, the younger teams <clears throat> uh, teaching him what he can and whatnot. So he's involved in that quite extensively. And uh, Dave Nedwin, he's he's working with with a company. It's it's a AV company of some sort. Uh, again, I'm not 100 percent sure what he does exactly. <laughs> water skis still. Uh, know, uh, water skis. I seen a video of him the other day. Water skiing. You know, for a 50 year old guy, he does quite well. But but he he's he's quite involved with his daughter's curling. His daughter is an exceptional yeah. curler right now with uh, uh, 20 and under. I think they basically won everything there was to win last year. Yes. And so, so he's busy with that. And myself, I'm just, uh, I'm kind of, uh, uh, I work with a company called Everest Funeral Concierge Service. 
we sponsor uh, or partner with the Tanner Crown Association that we do. Uh, uh, we, we, we sponsor the Canadian Senior Senior Championship and the Canadian Curling Club Championship, and we're always looking at doing something different. We're not your typical sponsor where we just hand over some money and then walk away and say, see you later. We, we like to build it and make it very, very special. We're close to doing that with another event, too, that I can't really talk about right now, but it's very close to coming to attrition. And it'll, it'll be kind of a shock, actually, with what we got planned. And and I'm, I'm involved, like I said, with Everest. We sponsor the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. And, hey, that has no bearing on me, us getting in there either, I hope. <laughs> just want, like we're we're the presenting sponsor of the of, of the new inductees of this right. the last three years, so I'm 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 pretty much involved as much as uh, you know working as much as I can, and and uh, it's not too stressful, but uh, it, uh, it it gives it gives me time away from work uh, from home a little bit, and and uh, it, it's it's a really good gig that I got. Do you do you remember what you told me when I asked you if I could get a job or what would it take for me to get a job at Everest about four or five years ago? I asked you. Uh, well, no, I think uh, yeah. I didn't say that. I no, you're exact. I like that. I know where you're going with this. Your exact answer was, I said, so, wow, that sounds like you got an exciting gig there. I said, what, like, yeah. you know, is there any chance I could get a job there? And your first line was, well, well, maybe win six Canadian titles and four world championships. That's a start. Something like that. Yeah. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah. Text lines open at one 401 This comes from Bilbert Sports Talk, Talking Curling. It's heaven. Rock on, boys. Uh, this comes from Luke uh, hey KK, does Ferb have one shot or one game that sticks in uh, out of his mind from all the years together with the Ferb Four? You know, it's, it, you know, people ask that uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm not a great memory guy with wins and losses, believe it or not. But I mean, there, there, there's always a, a few interesting shots throughout the, throughout the years. I mean, I mean, there's one that we lost the semifinal to go to the final in the world in, in Switzerland one in the one time Dave had an open hit and rolled out and and it was just you kind of remember that one but he missed that next year we came back and and won the world. Uh, there, there was a shot in, in the Calgary Briar against John Morris that we took five on the fourth or fifth end, I believe it was. It was just, I, I didn't even see it. And Marcel, Marcel as, a, as a bright lead that he was, he said, hey, <laughs> hit this here, hit this here, and we're going to get five. I go, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I do remember certain shots, but not, not enough of them. That that I should like like you talked to Scott Pfeiffer. He'll remember what color rocks we were, what color sheet, what color shoes we were wearing, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. I go, oh my god, you know. And I kind of yeah, I kind of forgot about a lot of those things. Is there a certain because um, um, you traveled all over the world, a certain place, certain uh, country that you enjoyed curling in more than others? Yeah, you, you know, we were fortunate to travel around the world, and uh, obviously Switzerland was was a fun place to go to. You know. Uh, been to Switzerland 13 or 14 times throughout my career. It, it's a great, it's a fun spot, you know, to go in in uh, November, December. Just, just a great fun spot. And uh, you know, if you're a historical buff and and uh, you, you like touring, that's the place to go. And, and I, I've been fortunate to go to Scotland, Sweden, Norway. You know, mm-hmm. those places. We played in Slovakia one time in the middle of the summer. So, been very, very fortunate. To, uh, to travel the world. This one comes from Bob. Great interview with Randy. Love the honesty, direct perspective on the game, which leads me to this one question. And I asked you this a long time ago uh, because yourself and Kevin Martin, two of the greatest curlers to ever play the game, come out of here, had some epic battles. And 
Just what about that rivalry between you and, and Kevin Martin's rink over the years? Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting. I mean, people like talking about that one. It, uh, I, I really I really believe that Kevin Martin brought out the best in us. He was always building to get better and better and better, so we couldn't stand past, so we had to get better, whether it was with coaches or practicing or time away from work and I would like to think he would think the same thing he was getting better to beat us at that time you know because they're five years we were basically unbeatable in Alberta Mm -hmm. and then after that Kevin put together a super team and he was very very difficult to beat so I'd like to think that we had a small part in him getting better you know but but I can honestly say that Kevin Martin made us a better team you know obviously the rivalry we did not like each other and that's okay I think sports sports needs more of that you know and uh, so we we had some epic battles throughout the years and you know I think uh, you know if, if we look at our record he we probably were pretty close to to beating each other mm-hmm. uh, same amount of time but uh he would probably say he's got the upper hand on us, and I'd probably say we got the upper hand on him. You know, even to, even to this day, we'd say that. But but definitely, definitely, he was he, he was one of the reasons we we got we, we got so good. Randy Furby, Dave Nedwin, Scott Pfeiffer, Marcel Rock, the Furb Four, announced as uh, inductees to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame class of 2023. Uh, when does the induction ceremony take place? Uh, give a little more details on that. And uh, man, you guys must be just uh, stoked to to have this accomplishment recognized. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, actually the induction ceremony is August. Uh, 19th in Ottawa or Gatineau. I just, I, I mm-hmm. thought it was, I thought it was Ottawa. Scott said Gatineau, and I thought for a second that I booked my flight to the wrong place, but he said, no, it's just across the river. And so it's, it's in Ottawa on the 19th, and, and it's, it's a pretty good event. I, I've gone to about three or four of them now as being part of Everest, and they're very, very special events, you know, to meet the athletes and to mingle around some of the best athletes that this Canada has ever been an honor and now mm-hmm. to be part of the inductees it's even more special well congratulations to you and dave and scotty and then shot rock this is a great a great accomplishment and uh, congratulations and uh well deserved uh, you guys really the face of curling uh one of the faces of curling in our country for many many years uh, in the early 2000s and uh, we everyone all the curling fans uh, i'm sure are just ecstatic about this so thanks for yeah, no, no, thank, thank you, Kevin, for reaching out to me. And again, I want to congratulate you guys on this new radio station you got going. I think it's, it's well-deserved. It's got the right people running it or talking on it anyway. And uh, <laughs> congratulations on this. And, and hey, we still got to do that dinner. Yes, we got to do the dinner. Thank You've uh, been very generous at uh, the yeah. Kevin Carey's Easter Seals Golf Tournament. Uh, we've got to do a dinner that you bought in the auction, so we got to get that Absolutely. out of Absolutely. And we got to hit the links again together, so... Well, yeah, that's another story altogether. But, yes, hopefully before the snow flies, we will get out. All right. Thanks, for Take care. Thanks. You have a great day. Thanks. Yeah, you too. That's Randy Furby, uh, Vice, Skip, the Furb Four going into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. It was announced today. Also, uh, uh, Tessa Virtue Scott Moore probably headlined the class. Uh, George St. Pierre will be uh, uh, amongst the inductees. And so congrats to everybody uh, there. We've got much more. We're going to talk a little... uh, well, we're going to set up a fantasy frenzy with uh, the Duke and Connor Halley. We've got a couple of texts coming in with that. A whole bunch more to talk about as we uh, take a quick break here on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to uh, Edmonton Sports Radio 1440. Kevin Carey along with the Duke. Connor Douglas, who's just, uh, I mean, 
uh, Duke, I, I know when you're working the board here, and then you got to get ready for your own show at 11 with Connor. I know this last, like, half hour is, like, pretty crazy for you. How do you, how do you juggle everything? Well, it's, it's nice uh, that Connor is uh, such an organized individual, too, getting a lot of things lined up for the fantasy frenzy here coming up uh, from 11 to 12. A uh, lot of great things to talk about. Marcus Grant, a uh, huge fantasy expert down in the United States. He's going to be joining us to talk some more football, joining uh, ahead of the kickoff tonight, Thursday, uh, Thursday night. Uh, Chiefs-Lions should be a great game. We, we had Dave Scretta on first thing this morning and said it should uh, probably not a lot of defense going to be getting played in this game. Neither of these teams particularly known for it, but uh, the, the balancing act here as we uh, are still working through some kinks and getting things as smooth, uh, flowing as smoothly as possible here in the first week on air with sports 1440, uh, you know, I, I manage, uh, but it's only going to get smoother each day we get going. This game tonight, we had uh Dave Scretta on from the Associated Press, Kansas City, covers the Chiefs. I mean, the first two two words out of his mouth were Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's the, that's the game story. That's it. That's everything. Uh, between Patrick Mahomes looking at Travis Kelsey as his primary target, number one, between Kelsey taking the heat off of the receiving core, which he actually said Kadarius Toney is going to be a key part of this offense moving forward. Um, besides that, is there anything that you kind of looking forward fantasy wise in this game on the Kansas City end? I mean, we'll get to Detroit in maybe a second, but on the Kansas City end, anything kind of striking your fancy? A couple of the other things we talked about with um, Dave this morning was the the running back situation. You asked him about maybe how the division of mm-hmm. workload is going to be between Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, and and Clyde Edwards-Helaire is still a part of that that backfield uh, despite falling out of favor. So it's the the Chiefs have all of a sudden, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, become a team that. I don't think anybody's going to be super keen on uh, starting a lot of their players this week. Maybe you're taking a gamble and uh, betting on a big breakout from Kadarius Toney this season if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a, a bit more of the veteran back there, more proven commodity, but not necessarily a game-breaker by any stretch. So the the Chiefs are... I've I've mentioned this a couple days uh, already on the fantasy uh, fantasy frenzy with Connor that I'm I'm skeptical of the Chiefs and I know that will probably come to bite me because they still have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is still probably the best head coach in the NFL and and Kelsey coming back Chris Jones if he gets signed like they'll they'll probably make me rue the the statement that I, I'm nervous about the Chiefs competing not only for their division title but but maybe a playoff spot depending on the severity of this Kelsey injury and how long it lasts. I, I was listening. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the Jason Greger show. So, what was the guy's name? He had that guy on from uh, uh, second and long. Nah, what's the name of the show? I, we'll we'll get that in a second. But he had his fantasy guy on yesterday. What was his name again? Do you remember? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, Sorry. okay. I, we're gonna get that in a second. But so, just like on years past, because Greg's and I are in the same fantasy football league. It's the Doopies, and of course, he's one of four guys that has never won the league. But he asks his guys always for. It's almost like a validation you know he doesn't ask about any guys on his own team or on on other guys teams he asks guys that he's drafted so yeah how is trevor lawrence going to be how is jamar gibbs going to be he wants to know oh the 49ers defense uh, do you think they're the number one so these are all players and teams that gregor has drafted you got that guy's name on adam established the run yes established the run i was a great guest yeah he was very good but i chuckle every time and we were talking with a couple owners yesterday about it Gregory just asked all his own guys. He doesn't ask anyone else. He wants to talk about his own team to make sure these guys were proper draft picks, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, on that Detroit side, Gregor brought up Jamar Gibbs. He's totally hooked on him, drafted him early. Is he 
a guy is, that would you consider a breakout rookie? Yeah, it's so much the point, you know, putting my money where my mouth is. I've uh, I've leveled a little wager on Jameer Gibbs to win Ooh. offensive rookie of the year. I know B. John Robinson, a, a heavy, heavy betting favorite on that front. But like you, um, like you said, you just follow follow the draft capital and what the Lions invested into into Gibbs, completely turning over their backfield, you know, bringing in Montgomery as a, a veteran to help supplement it. And maybe in the first week or two, we might see a little more split duty as Gibbs gets uh, used to regular season NFL pace. But I don't think it will take very long at all for him to be uh, become a bell cow in Montgomery more so just to change a pace back for them. And trading DeAndre Swift. He was a guy I was very high on, uh, both in fantasy speaking. I, I drafted him in my dynasty league back when he was a rookie, and it's just the health thing has been unfortunate. And Jamal Williams last season just being a touchdown machine, he led the league in, in that category. Now in New Orleans, going to get some starting duty while Kamara is suspended. Um, I, I, I'm hoping for the best for Swift in Philadelphia, but they, they have a three very capable running backs in that backfield too. So it, teams definitely leaning more towards this kind of split duty type thing, maybe for the sake of their running backs health and getting more longevity out of them. But who knows, maybe also because of the fact that the less, uh, less reps you give them, less touches, less statistics they're putting mm-hmm. up might uh, come, come to uh, benefit the team come new contract time with uh, a lot of discussion about running backs and what they're worth over this last summer. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Okay, I give Greg's a little dig. I got to give him a little love as well. So uh, he has asked me to fill in for him today at the Special Olympics golf tournament. Really looking forward to that. It's at Black Hawk. I'm going to be golfing with uh, uh, Colin uh, Livingston from uh, Cantork and Darren from Kubota and uh, uh, Dully from Next Gen. So uh, Greg's obviously he's got to be on the air. He said, can you come and hang out with these guys? And um, uh, I can say, I, I think I met Delhi once. I've never met Darren, but I know Colin quite well. So really looking forward to that. Great cause um, for Special Olympics. And, and you know, it was kind of a almost a, a weird uh, link. So last night I ended up watching that movie Champions with Woody Harrelson. And it was great. I mean, loved it. It was one of the one of the feel good movie, and just the 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 lines from all the actors and actresses. And I don't know, have you had a chance to see that movie? A long time ago. Yeah, no, it just came out. Champions. Oh, this Champions. this is, a, this is a, um, a movie where Woody Harrelson was a, a basketball coach for a, like a well, not even a the G League. I think they called it the J League in. Uh, United States, Des Moines, Iowa is where it was based out of. And I think they shot the whole movie in Winnipeg um, they, uh, because that's where the end of the movie uh, it takes place. So anyway, he gets, uh, was a DUI actually in the movie and then he had to do community service. So he ends up coaching all these kids. Most of them had Down syndrome, I believe, you know, there's brain injury kids and things like that. But they, I mean, the sense of humor is just unbelievable in this show. And and I couldn't imagine being an actor in a movie like that, like Woody Harrelson. He would, I, I bet, and I mean, I think most of the, the kids in the in the movie were probably around 20 to 25, I'm not sure, but they would have been cracking him up. Like on uh, the, the amount of jokes was a sense of humor. If you've ever been in the Oilers room when Joey Moss was in there or in the double E dressing room when Joey Moss was in there, I mean, you just feel great. It, that's it's a simple way you, you get inspired by it and uh so i think if you got that on your list that'll be so you got 61 duke and now yes. you got champions so yeah I mean, and I, I just checked yeah my yeah. apologies confusing on yeah. another film but yeah it's also available on uh, on streaming on prime video so there we go I, i've got my pretty much whole weekend book now what i'm gonna do uh outside of watching a ton of football of well course. yeah that, i was just gonna say out of all the weekends because now you're gonna be jacked up and fold up for the nfl so uh tonight's game is uh 6 20 kickoff uh they 
pregame show will probably start at about, it's probably on right now. Uh, actually, last night uh, when I was just crawling into bed at 10 o'clock, which is this, I mean, I got to get, the, 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 everything is new. This I worked till midnight for 33 years, you know, and I, you know, I'd get home I, years ago when I first started on that shift, I would be, well, and Greg's and I used to go out to Burns and Devlin's till whatever time and then, you know, get up at whatever time because we did, he was doing the late show on, on the station that he was working at and I was doing the late show on Global ITV or whatever. So it's all new, but I was crawling to bed last night at 10. They had a, a pre-Thursday night NFL kickoff show on NBC. I don't know if you can ever find that video too because it was cool. And if, you, if, a, if a listener has a chance, what they did was they grabbed about uh, 15 players and they put them around a table and they pretended that they were going over a script for the season. And uh, for instance, Jalen Ramsey was, he came in his, uh, he came in Dolphins gear. Everyone else was just sitting around in sweats and they were all quick three, four, five second clips of each guy. Jalen Ramsey said, Hey, I thought this was a dress rehearsal and really funny. Whoever put that together, it was really, really good TV. Uh, Texas, if you saw it, eight one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. there was just some great lines in it. Uh, the amount of production value that they would have had to do to get all, I'm sure they had to get these guys in the same room and maybe they shot it somehow that they did it in certain areas, but really cool to watch. It was about a two, three minute segment and it was on, uh, uh, it was on NBC last night cause they're carrying the game tonight. So we'll talk a bit, little bit more about tonight's uh, game. Uh, we'll look uh, at the Elks game. We'll talk a little bit about that with the Duke when we come back on the Kevin Carey show on sports 1440. Welcome back to the uh, final segment here on sports 1440. We'll, uh, Kind of tee up the Edmonton Elks Calgary Stampeders uh, show uh, a game on uh, Saturday, 5 p.m. kickoff at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, the Duke will uh, kind of get his thoughts on that as well as we move forward. I mean, football's back. We've always said for many, many years that, especially you know, I guess yeah, NFL starts at this time of the year, but we've always said that the CFL regular season really starts around Labor Day as well. Uh, so you could still have a, you can be. I don't know, like you could have a record of two and nine. You can be two and 10. You could be three and six at Labor Day before, you know, the schedule's changed and things like that. But if you started to come together as a team and come together as a franchise, you could go on a little run in September and October and you could, you know, make some noise. You could uh, create something going on. So uh, text line one, eight, three, three, four, zero, one. 1440. Uh, Mike from the Vegas talking about that uh, setup of the NFL. I don't think it was a commercial. It was more of a, uh, just a, just a segment. Uh, They show different ones on the NFL network all the time, but uh, it's a pretty cool thing when they play different versions of it. That one comes from uh, spaghetti too. Um, Love the commercial scripted. That's it. Scripted NFL. You could watch it on NFL. They played it, you know, around, but it was at the start of the show uh, yesterday on the, uh, just the, the, I don't know, kickoff to get things going for Thursday night football. But, I mean, the guys that they had sitting around the table, uh, they said, I can't, the one guy, uh, Dexter, I can't remember who he was playing with. They they font the guys, they font, they put his name up. Um, he said, get rid of the gritty. We don't want that anymore. He want, wanted the sexy Dexy, and he started dancing, do his little TD celebration. So uh, pretty nifty. Uh, do you recall the home end of the Battle of Alberta, Labor Day? Did you go to a lot of games on the uh, return engagement to Commonwealth in the last little bit, uh, Duke? 
Actually, Kevin, growing up, I didn't attend a lot of CFL okay. games. It was, it was two hours in either direction to Edmonton or Calgary. Even even NHL games growing up, I didn't yeah. go to a ton. It was kind of a, a once um, a winter type special thing maybe to, to go to a game. Usually when my favorite team, the, the Ducks, were in town to, to one end of the spectrum or the other, Calgary, Edmonton. And then, of course, with the CFL being played in the summertime, usually very busy with uh, you know getting seeding in the ground off the hop and then into hanging season, silaging. Yeah. And now I wasn't here. We were in the fall getting going with harvest. Um, the, the, the free time to, to get away for a football game – didn't quite uh, provide itself to me, but watching them on TV, always, always so much fun. And, and we've had several people talk about it already, the the intensity of the rivalry that exists between these two teams. Even when a season like this, neither of them are necessarily that good. The, the fire always comes out for the Battle of Alberta. You like getting out of harvest with this new job? It's uh, it has its pros and its cons. I uh, we had uh, Chris Cook on yesterday talking about mm-hmm. how he spends so much time, you know, talking to people and motivationally speaking and et cetera. And then when he goes back home to do harvest, he just gets that time alone with himself in the combine. And and I can uh, echo that sentiment a hundred percent. Um, even this this past year, kind of getting into the media game, and and it seems like you're you know quote unquote on all the time, right? Whether it be talking to people in in public or or now here on air, that little bit of kind of just just to yourself time one on one for your thoughts, or maybe belt out a song on the radio and the, the AM dial and the combine, um, that, that's always nice too. But uh, it's a, a lot less stressful, I guess, uh, here on air than worried about breaking something and having dad down your neck uh, about the replacement parts. <laughs> uh, Mike from the Vague chimes in again on that uh, that uh, scripted thing with the NFL. Maybe we can write off the Mahomes character. That was a classic. So what they did was they had Mahomes. He wasn't in the room. He was on a, on a monitor. So someone said, yeah, maybe we can write off Mahomes. And Mahomes comes on. No, no, can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, this one comes uh, in from Calgary. Uh, so glad you're back on the air. I live in the Calgary area. Uh, so 960 has been a little tiring, to say the least. And that goes from Miller Villar Lorne. So thanks for all the texts. I can't say enough how much I've been blown away by the amount of texts that come in. Um, people are... Um, they want to be part of our show. We want them to be part of the show. We want you to be interactive. So, you know, keep them coming. And um, I think once we get a little more comfortable, we'll be doing some, you know, phone line open segments. I've got a few ideas moving forward. Uh, Gregor had a, had a segment basically, um, you know, who who is it Wednesdays? Uh, I want to try to maybe do something front page challenge-ish. Uh, that goes back a long time, if anyone remembers that, uh, with some Oilers alumni that uh, that I've met and um, created a, a relationship over the years. But, you know, again, we're, we're only in day three or so. You know, we've got lots of good things to come. If you remember on Tuesday, uh, we were talking about uh, the Elks game in Calgary on Labor Day Monday. One of the things I said, I said, I wish that they would go back to the Friday night back-to-school rematch. Um a lot of texters came in and said they didn't really like it. They thought it was too quick. Um, they, for several reasons, said the product maybe wasn't as good. Once again, the NFL has been doing this for years and years. They want more revenue. Thursday night football creates revenue. The players get more money. If you were to just say, uh, and then quick sidebar, Rick Lalasher comes in yesterday, interim president and CEO of the Edmonton Elks, and he says that is one of the first things that he would do if he were in charge here full time. Get that game back to Friday night. Play it three days after. They've been doing it in the NFL. What would you rather have to create atmosphere, revenue, excitement? <clears throat> Let's see what the crowd is on Saturday. Now, if you were to say on a Friday night and you 
Do it with back to school. You go to the kids. You give them a physical ticket. You get the players going across schools in our city today, yesterday, tomorrow. You get them to go in the schoolrooms and say, here, little girl, little guy, whatever, here's your ticket for the game. We want to see you Friday night. Bring your mom and dad. You'd fill the place. You get back to how you generated excitement, the atmosphere. What would you say to a player? Would you rather play on Friday in front of 55, 60,000 fans? Or would you rather play on Saturday in front of twenty-five to 30,000 fans? Pretty simple answer. Uh, Duke, a couple more texts coming in about that commercial. Uh, they call it a commercial. It's more of a segment. Uh, it's been on the air for a couple of weeks ago. First time I saw it last night. Um, um, here's one, too. I'm not 100% sure on this. It comes from Andrew Kipling in Drayton Valley. Uh, have you guys heard about the stuff that Amazon is doing for football viewing? Well, and would we see something similar in the NHL? Well, first of all, um, NFL television and streaming rights is a beast that we've never seen before. It and they've done it properly. Uh, the NHL will have to do this. They ha- once the rights come from Rogers Sportsnet, the NHL has to go back to where TSN and Rogers are co-partners um, for the amount of games. Uh, never mind regionalization. Look at the model that the NFL uses. They bring in about 11 point some billion dollars. That's B, billion dollars in TV and streaming revenue. Two, three, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know exactly what they are. ABC, ESPN, 2.5 billion. NBC, 2.5 billion. Fox, 2.5 billion. Uh, It all adds up. uh, Amazon, 1 million. Streaming, this, it all adds up to approximately 11 billion. Again, I don't have the numbers right here. They've branched out. So they're partners with all the media. That's how you make a successful business, a successful team partnership moving forward. 1047, the Duke getting fired up. Uh, I got a couple things that I wanted to say. I got to find a a little site here. So just I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, uh, tonight's game again. Um, you said you didn't get a chance to go to too many home-and-home uh, home Labor Days or even NHL coming from Delburn. But um, when you look at the return of NFL, there, there always is that excitement. People are just fired up for it. And have you seen it more so than in years past just because of the uh, uh, fantasy frenzy show that you and Connor have been doing? I think that's added a, a certain element to my excitement for sure. And, and I'm, I'm playing in more fantasy leagues than I have ever before. And I've got a, a pretty funny story coming up right off the hop with Connor um, right after 11 o'clock about a, a draft I did with a friend of mine last night, kind of getting thrown into a league last minute as a as a taking over a team and stuff like that. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that right after the top of the hour. It should provide everybody a good laugh. But the excitement around NFL in Canada, it I don't want to say takes a backseat because we, we know that this this country as a whole, and, and Edmonton particularly, is, is hockey mad. And, and hockey is right around the corner. All the talk about the, the captain skate that uh, McDavid has organized and, and the full turnout. And, and that provides a lot of excitement about the Oilers, of course, too. But to me, who loves hockey for my entire life, much longer than I've loved football... It's like hockey is still a couple weeks away. I can put that on the back burner, you know, keep tabs on things like these big, this big signing of Jake Sanderson. Of course, that's grabs my attention. But right now, my full 
full attention is on tonight's game from Kansas City, uh, where I'm going to be watching it from the the Canadian Brew House down in Ellerslie um, as part of their Thursday night football viewing party. So I'm, I'm I've said it earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again: beyond pumped, beyond uh, stoked, beyond excited uh, to get this season going. Tell us a little more about tonight. How did that all come together, and how fired up are you to kind of be hosting that? Yeah, the Canadian Brew House is uh, is one of the great sponsors that we have on board yep. here with us on Sports fourteen forty. They they sponsor a couple things during mine and Connor's show, uh, including our um, Fantasy Wizard of the Day, our one guest we have over the course of the hour, and always tons of great insight. We've had Justin Boone um, and um, Andy McNamara the first couple of days. They were great. Tons of awesome feedback from listeners, and, and so the Brew House is having Connor out on Monday nights uh, and myself on Thursdays to kind of host these viewing parties for these games. It's going to rotate a different Brew House every week, so just make sure you're following. <laughs> both uh, Connor and I on Twitter where we'll be doing some some promotion and stuff uh, leading up to it so you know where we're going to be at. Come out, say hello, uh, take advantage. The Brew House always has great deals on during these uh, these viewing parties. Usually some tickets to enter to win stuff. I believe this year they're giving away tickets to the Super Bowl um, oh, cool. that you have a chance to win uh, just by coming down and, and watching the game with us. Well, we struck a little chord with this Friday night return game. Uh, Texters are coming in uh, at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Hi, Kevin. Love the show, the station. Confused on why your idea for the Elks school game could not be on a Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. Well, that comes from Original Six. Okay, so, I mean, the answer is simple. The proof is in the pudding. They've tried this for many, many years. Not tried it. They've gone to it for many, many years and the results have not been the same. Even back in the heyday, um, the fan attendance on the Saturday after it moved from the Friday went down. It just went down. It went down because people, I mean, kids on the Friday night, they it, it was back to school. It was the, I, I understand that why wouldn't it work on Saturday, but the PA decided and the players and the coaches, GM said it was too quick of a turnaround. Again, they've been doing it in the NFL for years. The revenue that's generated is far more superior than what it's been doing on Saturday. So the numbers are there. Um, Texter comes in. Uh, I've been saying that for years. I love going to those Friday night games with my back-to-school ticket in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Commonwealth was always packed. Uh, great to hear local sports talk on the radio. Again, that comes from L. The other aspect of CFL scheduling when it came out this year, and man, I you can ask uh, old Murray McCourt from uh, the Ranch Golf and Country Club. When it came out, I was 100% against it. Can't believe they did it. I can't fathom them going forward with it because it doesn't work. Is Friday, or pardon me, Sunday night games at 5 p.m. I understand why the CFL is trying to do it. They want to try to get in to a 7 o'clock Eastern start with some television time in the United States. But the numbers, again, don't support the validity of that game. This comes from Jamie. Imagine yourself a CFL fan who lives 200 kilometers or more out of town. How many Thursday games are you attending? And how excited are you about a Sunday night game? You're not. You're not. It just doesn't work. The CFL has to look at a lot of aspects that what they're doing. The first thing they have to say then, if they believe that these are proper channels to go through, Sunday night, 5 o'clock game, uh, Thursday night doubleheaders, etc. Are we a gate-driven league or are we not? Are we? Well, they keep saying we are. Well, then you have to make those gates, those games accessible for fans at the best times possible. I could see in Edmonton 
one for sure, and that's about it, maybe two, 8 p.m. starts. They would come at the end of June when you got the most light, figure it out, do a summer solstice game. When you do a doubleheader with an 8 o'clock start and they didn't, they, they had more in years past, it hurts your gait. There are five channels on TSN. If you start a game at whatever time, you can have another game on another time. That's going to be a discussion for another day. We're going to talk about that because we've got a lot of text people talking about it, and it's it's exciting. We want the CFL to do well. Uh, we want to thank our guest today on the Thursday. We had uh, Dave Scretta from the Associated Press uh, covering the Chiefs Chiefs and Lions tonight, 620 kickoff in uh, KC. Big time, big time. Uh tailgating party going on started in the wee hours of the morning ron chizowski sports director of ehc munich coach leon dreisaitl when he was 16 years old in germany great guest coming in from germany our co-host we had tons and tons of texts coming in how much they love ladislav schmid he's going to be a star he's with us every thursday from eight o'clock till 10 mark specter for on the mark he will be with us every day at eight o'clock our headliner of the day for mr reuter frank saravalli the daily face-off and of course we had uh, jason lorimer from uh, the edmonton huskies and congratulations to randy furby who joined us at 10 o'clock furby uh, dave nedowin marcel rock scott pfeiffer going into the canadian sports hall of fame amazing amazing careers for those guys tomorrow we will introduce our final co-host of the week and that'll be eddie Steele, and boy he will bring it eddie Steele will join us tomorrow from seven to nine we'll also have ed hervey former edmonton double ear because they don't like to be called a former elk uh former double ear uh on the show tomorrow he'll be discussing what happened about 20 years ago uh hey thanks everyone so much thank you so much for listening uh we've got a sports update now coming up with uh brandon douglas and then uh, the duke and connor alley will have fantasy frenzy coming up at the top of the hour thanks for listening have a great day